Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, I'm Ryan Mallory, and this is my Swing Trading the Stock Market podcast. I'm here to teach you how to trade in a complex, ever-changing world of finance. Learn what it means to trade profitably and consistently, managing risk, avoiding the pitfalls of trading, and most importantly, to let those winners run wild. You can succeed at the stock market, and I'm ready to show you how. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, this is Ryan Mallory with Swing Trading the Stock Market, and I have got a good show for you guys today. I have an email from an individual who is struggling in this very volatile and quite bearish market over the course of 2022 so far. We're two months into the new calendar year, and he's struggling with getting stopped out the same day because the volatility is so big, and if he wants to keep his stop loss tight, he's faced with the possibility that as soon as I get in, the market might reverse, go up 3%. My stock might have more beta than the market, and I get stopped out for a 4% loss. So it's a real struggle for a lot of traders right now. I know I've had this problem in the past myself. So we're going to get into all of that here today, as well as some personal experiences. And the redneck name that I'm giving this person will be Gretchen, because I don't use their actual real names, because most of the time people don't like that. So we'll give this person a redneck name of Gretchen, and Gretchen writes, Hi, Ryan, I'm fairly new to trading. I've started paper trading about six months ago and did consistently well. So around January 1st, I decided to make the jump into live trading. It would seem like I timed my trading debut about as poorly as you could. I guess a trial by fire will be a great learning experience. I am starting out with a small account around $2,000. Small enough to where if I blow it up, somehow it won't kill me, but large enough to care about my trades. These first two months have been nothing short of insane compared to the Last six, I've been paper trading. I've listened to your podcast about two months ago from episode one and finished your most recent one yesterday. The information you provide has totally shaped the way that I trade and is the reason why I am positive these last two months. Well, Gretchen, if you're positive these last two months, that's a good thing. Yes, you started live trading in a very difficult environment, but if you're positive in this market environment, you're doing better than like 99.9% of traders probably. He says, it's not much in terms of profits, but hey, at least I'm not in the red. I keep my stops around 4% or lower if I can and try to find entry points at key support and resistance levels. I try to stay with stocks with a beta of less than two. My main problem has become with volatility of the current market. In order to keep my stops tight, I am getting stopped out the same day more than I'd like. As you know, this can be a big problem with less than $25,000 into your account. This is the pattern day trader flag that you'll get in your account if you do more than three day trades, 
within a five-day period, they'll start limiting your account in terms of being able to get in and get out the same day. Which, by the way, is totally wrong. I mean, who is the government to say, hey, you can't do more than three-day trades in a week? Oh, but Mr. Rich Guy over there, yes, you can do that. I mean, it's the biggest farce. Like, the government, for wanting to be a champion of middle and lower incomes, my gosh, they do pretty much everything they can to limit what you can do. It's like you're not smart enough with your money, but hey, the government that's $30 trillion in freaking debt can tell you how you should better manage your money. Oh, get lost. All right, I'm not going to go on a tangent, right? <laughs> it does bother me that the government writes these rules. I mean, even for like hedge funds right now, right? You have to be an accredited investor, which is, I think you have to have like a net worth of more than a million dollars. Now they're trying to raise that, or at least some people are proposing that you raise it to $10 million. Like, what are you talking about, man? If a person with $10 wants to invest in a hedge fund and that hedge fund will accept their $10, they should be allowed to invest in that hedge fund. Now i got to figure out where I'm at on this email here. Oh, here I am. Okay. I have recently have started trying a new strategy to avoid this. I still use the same metrics for entry and stops, but I have been buying at the end of the trading day and then selling the next morning during the opening jumps. Usually don't make much money the first hour, but this strategy has been working out quite well the last week or so. Sort of a mixed swing, trading, day trading, scalping style. My long-winded question is, do you think this is a strategy that is sustainable, at least until the market volatility calms down or even past then? I do use stops every single time. Thanks for all of the great content. I listen to every podcast. Also, Thanks for turning me on to Old Scout. It's my new go-to bourbon. Congrats on getting married and take care, Gretchen. Yes, Old Scout, by the way, is a great go-to bourbon. Fairly priced and widely available and extremely tasty. But that's not what I'm drinking tonight. What am I drinking? Drinking Heaven's Door Tennessee Bourbon Whiskey. Now, I haven't been impressed with too many of these Heaven's Doors whiskeys here. This is my third one that I'll have reviewed. And to the nose, it smells like rubbing alcohol, man. I hate that smell. I mean, there's nothing flavorful to the nose. And when you try it, it's very bland, very flat, very unflattering. It's hot. It's spicy. I wouldn't even call it spicy. It's just hot. It's, it just doesn't taste good. The finish comes in even hotter, and it keeps the same blandness, maybe even gets more bland as you taste it. I don't know if that's even possible, honestly, but it's just not that good. I mean, can you get through a drink if somebody handed it to you? Yeah, you could get through it. It's not like some of the more horrible like peanut butter whiskeys that I've tried in the past, but it's still not that good. I give it a 4.7. This is probably the worst of the Heaven's Doors that I've tried so far. The other two was the Double Barrel and the Whiskey Riot. I gave both of those five sevens, so this one's a 4.7. It's worse than both of them. Okay, but now back to the podcast here because... Gretchen has some important questions to have answered. And so he, he started taking about six months to learn the basic trading mechanics and just learn the ebbs and flows of the stock market as a whole. He did consistently well with paper trading. And most people do because there's not that emotional attachment to your trades. You can be very emotionless and you don't worry too much if you have a losing trade because it wasn't real money. It's like basically playing a game of Monopoly. And if you lose, you just go on with your day. So... Once you go into real trading, live trading, where you get the money, that's where all the emotions come. That's where people start making bad mistakes because they're worried about losing their money. And once you close out a losing trade, there's not like you can get a refund or anything. Now, he says he's 
learning trial by fire and it'll be a great learning experience. And yes, I think it's really good for a lot of people to be learning to trade in this environment versus right after 2020 when the market just seemed like a casino that always paid out. <laughs> in 2020, the market kept going higher and higher and higher and everybody just thought that's how the market worked. You could get these 2 and 3% up days almost every day and you'd make just barrelfuls of money without any regard to risk. Now the, the tide has changed. It's changed from 2021 and it's changed from 2020 to where it's a much more risky market to the downside. People are seeing stocks that they held, like let's say Square, losing over half of its value. PayPal, the same thing. Facebook has lost $500 billion in market cap as of this past month. So all these stocks where they thought, I was like, just buy and hold and it'll eventually come back. They're starting to realize maybe this stock isn't going to come back. And there's plenty of stocks trading right now that have been beaten down severely over the past four and five months that will never see all-time highs again. When you go back to the dot-com bubble, there's a lot of stocks that blew up and never came back. But I like the balance here of what he's doing. He's trading not too much money, but enough money to where he cares about the trades and doesn't want to blow up his account. But if he did blow up his account, it wouldn't kill him. And that's a good starting point. That means that you're probably trading about the right size for based off of your experience and your knowledge in the stock market. So it's enough to learn off of, to experience those emotions and those thoughts that run through your mind when you're trading with your own money, but it's not going to kill you if you or when you mess up. Because a lot of times people go in way too big. If they have $100,000 sitting in their account, they've never placed a trade in their life. They put all $100,000 in there in the first trade. They put like $60,000 or something on the first trade and then $60,000 on the next and going $20,000 in the margin. And so taking a measured approach to learning the stock market and, and trying to get better at it can be accelerated by trading a smaller account and building up to those larger accounts. Yes, if he gets really comfortable with it, yeah, he can add more money to it. But he doesn't need to go too crazy. He wants to make sure that as he incrementally increases it, that he can emotionally handle the larger sums of money that he's trading. So don't go to like zero to 100 miles per hour just because you do good with $2,000 doesn't necessarily mean that you're ready to trade with like a $100,000 position. And he leads me on to think that he's having like this horrible year, but then he says he's positive in the last two months, and that's huge. If you can be positive in this market environment, and let's just be honest, like if you can just survive this market environment, you're going places. So I like the idea that he's actually able to show some profits during this time. It shows that he is managing the risk and he goes on to tell you how he's managing the risk. But the funny thing is, is he says, hey, it's not much that I'm profitable. Well, granted, you're trading with a $2,000 account and you're probably not going to make a ton of money. But he says, at least I'm not in the red. But guess what? I bet you Warren Buffett's down right now. That doesn't make us necessarily better than Warren Buffett. I mean, the dude's like trading way more money than we could ever wrap our minds around. But at the end of the day, would he rather be standing there with the profit that you have or the maybe millions or billions of dollars that he's lost so far here in 2022? Even if it was a buck, I think he'd rather have the buck than a major loss. That just makes sense. So he keeps his stop losses below 4%, and he tries to trade with stocks that have a beta of less than 2 For those who don't know what a beta is as it's measured with a stock, the stock market goes up 1% in a given day. A stock with a beta of 2 goes up 2%. Stock with a beta of three goes up three percent. If it has a beta of one point five, then it has goes up one point five percent. Same thing if the market goes down, whatever the beta is, if it's two, it's going to go down. In the stock market goes down one percent, the beta 
of two means the stock goes down 2% on average. It doesn't mean it's going to be like that every single day, but on average. So that's the important thing to remember. So by keeping it under two, he's trying to keep the volatility at bay. He's trying to make sure that he's not trading too risky of stocks. And usually for me, I, I usually like to trade stocks with betas between one and two as well. I don't like to get into some really slow moving stock like below one, because then if the market takes off, there's a good chance that you're not going to be matching the, the returns at all. But the gist of all of this is that he's getting stopped out the same day more than he'd prefer to be stopped out. Now, what do you do about that? Well, for me, like right now, I'm doing a lot of shorting in the market. Most of it's being done through ETFs, inverse ETFs, in fact, uh, two to one, three to one, one to one inverse of the S&P 500, the Russell 2000 and the NASDAQ. So I'm not doing really any three to ones just because the risk in those are so much more difficult to control. And if the market you know, rallies against you for like 1%, all of a sudden you're down 3% on that stock. That's kind of a hard one to stomach. I've been doing a lot of twos and I've been doing a lot of ones, but him and I have probably similar risk profiles in the sense that I don't like to take losses of more than like four to 6% on a trade. So most of the time, the ultras are not going to work good for me if it's like a three to one. Now, two to one, a lot of times I can work with that. But when it starts to get into the three to ones, it's very, very difficult to find quality stop losses. But even still, if you're trading a utility company, it's still very easy to get stopped out with this high level of volatility. So you have to really pick and choose your moments that you're going to get short. Oftentimes that you know means waiting for a market bounce to run its course and start to, to fall back again before you start getting short, not trying to just jump in front of a freight train that it's steamrolling higher. You got to wait for that pullback to start before getting short. And even then you can still get stopped out. Now I had a similar situation like that today where QID, which is the two to one inverse of QQQ or the NASDAQ 100, I got long on that. So I was looking for the market to go down and the NASDAQ to go down. So the QID position would go up. And so I got in at like 1969, and then it goes all the way up into the 20s, and then there was this headline that popped, and a surge of volume came out, and it goes from like 20 back down to 1973 or so. And I had to get out. One of the main reasons was is because there was massive amounts of volume that was coming in. It was coming in at a new low of the day that had just been formed. And I wasn't just going to sit there and just watch a position that was up, you know, one and a half, two percent just completely get steamrolled the rest of the day because we've seen that happen many, many times. So I get out, I got out for like a 0.2% profit. Later in the day, there was a bull flag forming on QQQ. Therefore, it's more like a bull flag on QID. So I get long on QID. I hope I'm not confusing you guys. Just remember, QID is the two to one inverse of QQQ. But I get long on QID at 1991. Do I wish I had not jumped out of that position? Well, I wish the market didn't force my hand to get out of it because I didn't know for sure if I was just going to go see another 4% stop loss because there was a headline that hit the news. I'd rather be safe than sorry. So I went ahead and got out for a small profit, reloaded later, got back in at 1992, which is higher than where I originally got in. I know, but sometimes you got to do that just to be able to manage the risk. But in this market, it's best to put those stop losses above critical resistance levels or below critical support levels. And that will help you avoid some of those stop losses. Now, you can't do it entirely. So it's very, very important that you're not trading just to be trading, but you're waiting and waiting and waiting until you get some really good trade setups. I have been trading less this year than I have ever before. December was also a very low volume day, but in these markets, I don't need to be trading a full 100% of my portfolio. Instead, in this 
environment, I'm trading 10 to 20% of my portfolio at a time. I don't need to be 100% vested in any direction at this moment. So now he's created a new trading strategy for himself where he's buying right at the close and selling at the open. There's a lot of people that's been doing that for a long time. Now you're going to have gaps downs. That's just a matter of fact. We've seen plenty of them over time. But the reason why a lot of people trade this strategy is that if you like take the last 10 years of the stock market, almost all the gains have come from overnight trading. So that would entail buying right at the close, selling right at the open. That doesn't mean you're not going to have gap downs or significant gap downs. It's just saying that long-term, you're going to make most of your money by holding a stock overnight. So that's kind of like what Gretchen is trying to do here. But the question is, okay, if you're going to do it long-term, one, does it work? Well, statistically speaking, it, it is supposed to work. But two, are you going to be able to have the discipline to, to sell at the open every day? Or are you going to get a gap down and you're trying to see if it's going to rally back some before you get out only to see it drop back further before you can get out. So there's a lot of discipline issues there that you want to make sure you work through. But I also think too, that it's important that you don't abandon your regular swing trading strategy. Yes, it's going to be more difficult in a market like this, but start to understand, okay, what is not working for me and what do I need to do to change and make it better? Because you want to have that experience of trading through this time. So whether or not you decide to keep doing the buy at the close, sell at the open strategy. The bigger question is, is are you going to continue to learn swing trading as you ultimately want to do during a very difficult market circumstance? Because it's these circumstances that are going to help define you as a trader. The other question that I would probably say is, okay, that strategy probably works really good in a bullish market. But, and I don't know the answer to this. How well does it work when the VIX is over 20 or when the VIX is over 30? Because the volatility index goes way up during times of uncertainty. How well does that strategy perform during those times? I would say in most cases, it's not performing well during the most volatile times because the swings higher and lower can be so extreme. And as it pertains to the volatility with your swing trades, when you're using like 4% stop losses, there's a number of things that different people will use. They might use wider stop losses, but cut their position in half. Let's say if they wanted to use 8% stop losses, but they only want to lose the same amount of dollars as if it was a 4% stop loss, then you would cut your position size in half, right? But then all of a sudden, in order just to get a two to one return, you have to get 16% of a return on your trade instead of 8% when you use a 4% stop loss. Remember too, in this kind of a market, I mean, there's a reason why we're down is because everybody's selling the strength. So anytime you get a strong bounce, that should be a reason to aggressively look to book profits not to try to see how long you can let your winners run because in this kind of environment, the rips are getting sold. So the takeaway from all of this, make sure if you're implementing a new strategy in this market and you've heard about it working well over a long period of time, make sure it's also a strategy that can work well during this specific market environment where you have volatility of over 20 or over 30. That'd be a great way to start for trying to test such a strategy out. There's plenty of programs out there that actually does this. I think TradeStation is one of the good backtesting platforms. There's plenty of them out there. And when you're in a very difficult and volatile market, those are the times where you want to be more aggressive with booking profits and taking profits along the way and making sure you're not trying to have the same glorious expectations for a stock trade as you did maybe in 2020 or 2021. Those are just not really happening that much right now. So you're not doing yourself any favors when you have high expectations for a stock in a very low expectation environment. And know too that in this kind of environment, yes, you're going to have more stop outs than normal because of how quickly the market can move against anybody's position. That's why I'm not trading with 3X versus ETFs. That's why I'm doing 2 and 1X ETFs. 
It's also the reason, too, why I'm doing a lot more index moves because it's much more difficult for an index to move 2% than it is for a stock to move 2%. So it's helping me manage the risk even more so. Another thing that you can do is, Gretchen, I talked about how he was trading stocks with a beta of no more than two. He could maybe even cut that down some. Maybe you only trade stocks with a beta of one or less or 1.5 or less, and that might help you as well to not get into very volatile stocks in a very difficult market. Also, what will help you out dramatically is by signing up for SwingTradingTheStockMarket.com. This is where you're going to get all of my stock market research each and every day from watch lists to setups to FANG updates to market updates. This has it all. It's all my market research each and every day. So check it out, SwingTradingTheStockMarket.com, and you're supporting this podcast in the process. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to leave me a five-star review. Those mean the world to me, and they do help me out quite a bit to get discovered on various platforms like Spotify, like Apple, and... Make sure to keep sending me your questions, Ryan at SharePlanner.com. Man, I love reading these things. I don't get enough of them. I really don't. So make sure to keep sending them to me, and I will read them, and I'll do everything I can to put them on air as an episode of their own. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Swing Trading the Stock Market. I'd like to encourage you to join me in the SharePlanner trading block where I navigate the stock market each day with traders from around the world. With your membership, you will get a seven-day trial and access to my trading room, including alerts via text, email, and WhatsApp. So go ahead, sign up by going to shareplanner.com slash trading block. That's www.shareplanner.com slash trading block. And follow me on SharePlanner's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where I provide unique market and trading information every day. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me at brian at shareplanner.com. All the best to you, and I look forward to trading with you soon. 